Movie mom Nell Minow says this film is extraordinarily vivid, rich, and wise about the core questions of how we know and who we are. Letterboxd user B Battersby two three four five says Mason's funeral parlor crushed the product placement game with all those fans at the trial. And Letterboxd user Brody Allen says, "I'm a simple man. I see Gene Kelly. I press like." On this episode of Ruined Childhoods, we decide the fate of Inherit the Wind. Which one will it be? It's the Ruined Childhoods podcast. Greetings, Starfighters. Welcome to Brune Childhoods. I'm Don. I'm Don. I, I'm <laughs> leaving that in. <laughs> I am. We are collectively Don. We are collectively Don. I am Dan. That is John. And I am John. I, right. I was so. I was feeling so smooth. I'm like, I'm going to sound really professional on this intro. Dan, and... I, I have a question for you. Do you have a, like when you're starting each episode, when you're speaking uh, into a microphone, anything like that, is there a, like a radio personality? Is there somebody whose, I guess, style you like to kind of channel? I know that you, you start them all very differently, but you know, if there's something where you're not doing like a character, is there any kind of like Rick inspiration? on the American Weekly Top 40. Is there? I, I was just wondering, like, is there is there some some voice, a different podcaster, uh, anybody that kind of, I don't know, speaks to you or speaks through you, maybe? <laughs> um, you know, it, it, no, it, there really it, it's usually a different because sometimes it, it depends on what we're going to be talking uh, talking about. You know, when it's Silence of the Lambs. I know it's going to be Anthony Hopkins, Hannibal Lecter. Sure, yeah. So when it's something, so today's episode, Inherit the Wind, uh-huh. is, I feel it's different from our usual fare. And yeah. I not just the movie, not the, not the movie. I mean, you know, you... Um, you know, made a reference, uh, you know, over the, you know, since, since last we spoke as you were watching Inherit the Wind, yeah. uh, made a, made a reference to it being quote unquote sweaty law, okay. which is a callback. Right. I'm going to explain. I, all I'm going to say is I don't typically talk to Dan about the movie that we're covering until no. we're recording, but you know, just a note. Sweaty love. It was just a, because he knew I had seen it, and it's like it takes place in uh, over the summer. It takes place in July in Tennessee, uh, pre air conditioning. So, yeah, it, it wasn't exactly giving away anything, but just to, like so, there was that callback to that uh, a time to kill the client, you know, John right. Grisham episode that, that we did. Yeah, yeah, but and and so inherit the wind is different in its subject matter. It's different in uh, what 
what it discusses, what it addresses. I mean, this is not, you know, we're not, we're not, it's not feds. We're not talking about like a, a throwaway comedy here. We're talking about something uh, about a, a, a film based on a play that is about a real life. I know you'll get into that. That is well, about a true story, but is also really about other things right. going and on. I, I didn't include any of that in my synopsis that I wrote up. I kind of kept it very brief because the subtext is something that, uh, you know, doesn't belong in a in just a synopsis. Oh, I thought yeah. you were keeping it brief for legal because it's legal. Because of legal brief. brief. Yeah. It's a brief. Get it? Get it? Because I, no, in, no, no, no. I, yeah, in I get law, it. attorneys, I want yeah, to make Dan, sure everyone it. understands it. When yeah, you file it. something and I... Called brief, uh, you know where you keep anyway. Them. Briefcase, you're right. Okay, moving on. <laughs> Nothing brief about it. Uh, yeah, nothing. No, brief anyway, about it's based on yeah, it's based on a real life case about. from from 1925, uh, where a uh, a teacher John T. Scopes was tried for teaching evolution in his high school science science class that that he was teaching. Uh, and so he was, uh, put on, put on trial for that. And that's where we get, uh, it, it's called the scopes monkey trial. And mm -hmm. I think most people who only know of it through inherit the wind are like, why is it called the scopes monkey trial? Well, that's because that was the name of the actual teacher, uh, who in, in the film is, uh, uh, Gates. Cates with a C. Cates, Cates, Cates. Uh Yes. Right. Why don't I do the synopsis? Do the synopsis. Okay. This is this is very short. I'm not going to say the B word again. I learned my lesson. After a school teacher begins teaching Darwin's theory of evolution, a group of right-wing Christians band together to have him arrested and tried in court. A reporter from Chicago takes a special interest in the case and arranges for Henry Drummond to represent the defendant. The prosecution, on the other hand, loops in presidential candidate and Christian fundamentalist Matthew Harrison Brady to serve on their legal team. What begins as a heavily weighted no-brainer for the prosecution turns into a battle of ethics once the defense uses Brady's only weapon against him, the Bible. That's what I got. That's it. Uh, so yeah. let's run, run down the cast there. Uh, we got Spencer Re Tracy. Yes, Spencer Tracy plays Henry Drummond, the... Um, the attorney for the defense, uh, Frederick March. The reason why we're doing this episode now is because we are doing uh, movies that are ever so vaguely March themed. <laughs> and so he is there, our, there's our a connection to, to March. Yeah. So he plays yeah. uh, Matthew Harrison Brady, the, um, the presidential candidate who ends up uh, serving as uh, as legal for the prosecution. We have Gene Kelly as E.K. Hornbeck of the Baltimore Herald. And um, then we've got Dick York from Bewitched as Bertram Cates. And I'm trying to think if there's anybody else who like we need to Harry mention. Morgan. Harry Morgan. Harry Morgan of, is the judge. Dragnet judge Dragnet and Ski Patrol fame. Right. Or wait. No, not Ski Patrol. Right. Sorry, I'm thinking of Ray Walston. Uh, Harry Morgan no, 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 of no, no, no. MASH. MASH. 
Yeah, I was I was thinking of Ray Walston, not Harry Morgan. Harry Morgan's in, in Dragnet, but but Dragnet is uh, right. Dragnet is correct. Um, yes. The series, not the movie. Um, both, in fact, yeah. both. Yeah. Oh, in yeah. in both. Yeah, he's in both. He, yeah, uh, he's in both. Uh, also in in the film, a uh, familiar face, Norman Fell, Mister Roper, of Norman Fell, Three's Company. Also, uh, you know, pops up in the in the Graduate. That's right. That's right. So yeah, Claude Claude Akins is the Claude Akins who was a big like uh like con- oh, country it's Reverend singer, Jeremiah like, Brown. Yeah. Oh, he is, and he's uh, he's good a piece of work. He you know, is this is like one of those evil. this is one of those movies, Dan, where I feel like the performances are so good and so convincing that you forget that in reality they're probably doing this movie because they believe in evolution. <laughs> you know, like it, it's a, a lot of times like you just get so lost in the story and the performances that you forget that they're act just actors portraying these people. Uh, even right. if even if Frederick March's uh, hair situation looks so ridiculous that it's hard to look away, uh, but it's entirely believable uh, that he his his hair situation. Oh no 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 no! It just like looks so crazy that it's just like can't can't take my eyes off that weird yeah hair choice. But there. and but yeah, no, you're right. The performances in this are. Uh, are really captivating and by by everyone. And I think like Dick York was a real because I'm just used to him. I I'm like Darren. I, all I know him from is Darren from Bewitched. Which which Darren was he? I you know I I I think he was the first one. I I have no idea. There's Dick York and then Dick York and then Dick Sergeant and then we could Dick go Sergeant. into the whole Wayne's World thing about Sergeant York. Sergeant York. Um, <laughs> I so yeah oh, he God. was the first so yeah dick york was the first darren on bewitched but man he is great in this yeah he's fantastic i mean he doesn't have like a huge 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 role i mean it's a significant no, role it, sure it, but it's 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 featured enough so that if i was to watch uh you know turn on bewitched which uh mm-hmm. let's see start starts in i guess mid mid to late 1960s mm-hmm. and i had seen inherit the wind uh-huh. i would i i i mean oh oh it's the guy from inherit the wind it's it's the teacher from inherit the wind right that's great and i would so i would have recognized him from that, I'm I'm looking to see. Oh, Bewitched started in 1964. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. So, but that's so Dick York, uh, big you know, big surprise in there. I mean, Gene Gene Kelly. Even though I feel like most people think of him as a singer dancer, right. like he definitely has he he definitely like you know proved his his acting chops. His acting chops, uh, yeah. He was great. He, absolutely, he yeah. He's great. Spencer Tracy. Dan, I'm going to tell you a personal story. I don't know if I've ever spoken about this. So this is an exclusive. I need like a sound drop for that. So, no. Okay. What do you mean? Oh, no. No, this isn't like a confession. It's just like something that I had forgotten about. And then when I started watching this, I was like, oh, my God, that's right. I, uh, I don't know if you would remember this. I was a probably like nine or something like that. But 
I got a, I had like a, a pet frog that just like lived in a little like miniature, like a very small, like aquarium thing. It was just an aquatic frog really. And I named it Spencer because of Spencer Tracy. And I don't know why. I was going back through his like filmography to be like, is there something I saw that like I remembered him from when I was like nine? And I have no idea. Yeah, no, you are such a Spencer Tracy fan <laughs> growing up. I thought you were going to say a strange child. <laughs> well, it's a, an old soul, perhaps. Such a Spencer Tracy fan. No Spencer idea. Tracy posters. To, uh, shirtless in one, I believe. Uh, and <laughs> no. Yeah, no, Spencer. And like, I, I've definitely seen a few. I haven't seen a lot of Spencer Tracy movies. I've never named a frog after him, but <laughs> I have no idea what association. And I have a vague recollection. I have a vague recollection of this frog and of the name Spencer. I have no recollection of it being named after Spencer well, I Tracy. Tell anybody. I don't doubt you. I didn't, I don't. I didn't tell anybody why I had named it Spencer, but that's why I, I had named it Spencer. I wonder if you had just heard someone like talking about Spencer Tracy for some I reason. I honestly could not tell you. Could yeah, not tell you. I, okay, so mysteries, mysteries of the past. <laughs> Spencer Tracy uh, is is fantastic, and this is Henry Drummond, uh, the lawyer for for Bertram Cates. Yeah, and it's what's what what I really enjoyed about it is the the relationship between Drummond and and Brady, like that. Even though they're right, they're rivals in the courtroom. And I think you see this, I, and this is true. This seems to be, you know, tr more tr uh, true more often than not. But where these attorneys can really like go at each other yeah. in the courtroom, and they do go at each other, right? I mean, and and you think about movies like My Cousin Vinny, where you know the two sides of you know of that of that trial. Even though they're going at each other, there's something about each of them that, like, there's a a, a kind of respect. I mean, that gets. I mean, of course, at, towards the end, you definitely see the respect going towards Joe Pesci's character, uh, in like the in the, in a very strange way. And uh, right, but but the Lane Smith character is never. Like they, they're they're a little like you know, huh, city 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 slicker, <laughs> right? They're yeah. they're a bit like that, but the Lane Smith character, the district attorney, is never like mean to him. It's not like in some no lawyer movies where you're just like, now that district attorney was willing to draw blood just to put you yeah. in just to put you in jail. Yeah, so we, they're they're dirty. They're gonna play dirty. It's like, no, they're damn good at their job. Right. Yeah. And what's really cool about Matthew Harrison Brady and Harry and Henry Drummond is that they um they they so very clearly see why the other one is using the tactics that they're using. And uh, you know, because Matthew Harrison Brady, he's just like everybody loves him. That part of the country is his for the taking. And everybody's fawning over him, and he is just spouting his rhetoric, his, you know, Christian fundamentalism, his creationism to them, and they are just eating it up and just 
cheering for him. And the way that Henry Drummond first just struggles and is feeling really down on himself and doubtful about his abilities to to kind of bring this one home. And then the way that he turns things around, it's like really fascinating to watch. And I think that, you know, Spencer Tracy, I mean, I, I knew this when I was nine and I know this now. It's just like his acting is so convincing. And I want to say that like, and this is just something that I was thinking about when I was watching it, is that like, you know that an actor, especially around like 1960, like, you know that they are going to be something great when they look like Spencer Tracy, because he's, <laughs> you know, uh, they don't, uh, actors these days don't typically look like Spencer Tracy, even like the older actors, you know, even somebody like Ian McKellen is still going to look really sharp, <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You. There's kind of, there's that, that... Yeah, that class of of actor that could just be like you didn't have to be People magazine cover sexy. No, no, yeah. I mean, you could be like People Spencer magazine Tracy cover. sexy. That's an interesting one, yeah. I, it, yeah, it, it, it's I it, not worth going into. It's just been it's stars, been a reference. They're, not, stars, they're just like us. Here's Spencer Tracy buying adult <laughs> undergarments. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, no, you're right. Like there's a certain, like e there's Ian McKellen and then there's Spencer Tracy who just for about 50 years looked like he just rolled out of bed and wasn't happy about it. No kidding. It. Yeah, absolutely. That was kind of his MO. But yet like he was a, I guess a kind of a sex symbol and he did play, he did have these romantic, uh, well, he was roles with Catherine Hepburn with IRL Catherine for such a long time. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, and then also just a lot uh, earlier in, By the in his way, career. Before I'm going to go out on a limb and say I'm the only person in history to ever say Catherine Hepburn IRL. <laughs> I I put money on that. Hmm. I don't. I you know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. How would I, you know something? I I don't. That's what I'm saying. I'm I just saying I, it's very likely. It's it's possible. Yeah. Uh, so um, IRL, this was about uh, teaching evolution, and um, you know, it's it like you said, he's fighting Drummond's fighting a an uphill battle here. He's he's fighting for creationism. He's basically arguing against the Bible in the Bible Belt. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> um. Uh, and it's very interesting to see the the tactics that they take. And also, like, I thought your point about Brady just kind of repeating, like, he takes everything, and if he can twist it into some type of folksy, yeah. Christian, uh, you know, phrase, mm -hmm. and... You know, it's it's kind of like if if uh, Drummond raises an objection, he says objection. He says, "Oh, like Pilate objected to Jesus Christ," and <laughs> I know. and then and everyone goes, "Ooh!" But I thought that they used that so well in the film because yeah. at the climax, when when Brady is standing there in front of the courtroom, 
just railing and doing he's like just doing all of his his greatest hits and just ranting and raving and no one's listening he's saying the same things he's been saying all along right. but everyone sees through it now right and it's kind of like it, it it's that message that well you know you can only tell this lie for so long until someone until someone will come around and make people see the truth mm-hmm. because the truth is going to sh- the truth is the truth it's the way it is and it's going to be seen it's it's going to come forth one way or the other uh, as someone who's been caught in many lies before i know this to be true so <laughs> there's there so there's this there's and what's cool about it is because I would say by 1960, I mean, I'm sure there's places in the country in 1960 where creationism is is uh, is is taught. Um, there are places now where we have to have we have to have the alternative viewpoints. We have to acknowledge alternative viewpoints, um, which is why this is so so relevant. And in 1960, I. My feeling watching it was like, this is about civil rights. Mm. And then other interpretations, and I think actually the intention was, oh, it's about McCarthyism. Right. Which is funny, Dan, because, uh, dear audience, uh, if you've been listening to this podcast for uh, the past three years (laughs) since we started, (laughs) then you would know that Dan and I are quite fond of the movie Hail Caesar. And and we, we were talking about it before recording. So just in case you're wondering if uh, we are this way all the time, the answer is very much yes. And uh, that movie, uh, at its core, focuses heavily on, uh, you know, communism. And so it's very interesting that we're talking about uh, Inherit the Wind, which, yeah, was, uh, you know, the intention was for it to reflect McCarthyism using the Scopes trial as kind of its... uh, I don't know. It's cover. Which I think it does well. I do think my go-to theater piece for McCarthyism allegory is The Crucible, of course. Mm -hmm. But I thought that in terms of uh, civil rights and integration, I thought the idea of that progress is going to happen. Mm -hmm. That progress is going to happen and fighting it results in fighting it is a futility and fighting it will in in Brady's case kill you yeah spoiler alert and it's to me it was a lot about integration and saying like ju- okay so just like in by ni- between 1925 and 1960 a lot more people accepted Darwin's uh, theory of evolution, the origin of the species. Yeah. Not everyone, but probably a lot more than in 1925. So it's like saying, all right, someday we're going to be looking at this, at like, right. you know, integration. That's going to be the next metaphor. That was that was optimistic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was overly uh, optimistic because that's where that's still, you know, even though like legal segregation uh, is legal, racial segregation is, uh, I guess, uh, 
I don't want to say it's not a thing anymore, but not yeah, nearly I what hear it what was. You're saying. Yeah. Uh it you know, we haven't we haven't made the progress from that. But then in watching this movie, I was so reminded and it seemed so fresh. This movie felt so fresh to me mm-hmm. because of how much it felt like the anti-mask and anti-vax movements yeah. and like, you know, God will protect me from COVID and I don't need a vaccine when I have Jesus running through my veins. And I'm like, I heard someone actually say that. Oh my goodness. I've, yeah, I've, uh, yeah, that one, I've heard someone say that or, or something very close to it. The, uh, the whole like you know coronavirus is a hoax and all that um and not just about about covid but also the I, the religious the, the use of religion to push political agenda sure yeah yeah and we see it Time and time well, yeah, again. It's not and we, going we, away. It's not even subtle. It is very much in our faces, similarly to the way that, you know, you see the people holding up their signs at the beginning of this movie, you know, all of well, the, the right, protesters yeah. there. And I will also note the banner about uh, Matthew Harris and Brady coming to town and there is a march. It says the word march on it. And I was like, yay, our march <laughs> theme. All right. Um, yeah, we yeah, doubled down on that one. Yeah, I know that was just fortune in our favor. And so anyway, I, I feel like, uh, yeah, I mean, when I was looking up reviews for this movie and I was going through Letterboxd, all everyone could talk about was how relevant this movie is. And you look at the t- the years that they're posting it and it's like, yeah, it's always going to be relevant because there's always going to be the push f- in a political agenda for uh, religion. And now, especially I was and I, I was going to say, you know, it's like you have laws, you know, things like the Religious Freedom Act, which is really just, you know, the right to use religion as an excuse to be a bigot act. Right. And you have all of these things being done in the name of of religious freedom, something that should technically be a, a good thing. You have all of this new legislation coming forward about what teachers can teach in school. Mm-hmm. So it felt very relevant as, I mean, fortunately, I teach in Seattle where yeah. it, it, it's very, very, like I'd be in trouble if I didn't teach what people call critical race theory. I right. mean, really what I teach is just background context to literature. So, you know, Raisin in the Sun is written partially about like redlining in Chicago. So you yeah. kind of have to teach what redlining is. Uh, and you but, also deconstruct Pearl Jam lyrics, right? Oh, yeah. Well, no, that's in a Shakespeare <laughs> unit. You know, what did Jer- Jeremy sayeth in class <laughs> on the morrow? No. Uh, so that the the quote unquote don't say gay law right. in Florida, oh, the God. fact that in school you can't even acknowledge the identities or existence Terrible. of of people it, oh yeah it, it, i we're here to talk about inherit the wind but part of we the are talking about inherit the wind we are yes but it is so relevant right now 
in terms of what we're facing in this country, this kind of um, this backlash, this censorship in the name of freedom Mm -hmm. and so much like wordsmithing being done and so much propaganda being done to push an agenda. And you, you do get the feeling from, from this as well, that there's an agenda and that Brady maybe is less interested. Like he, the Bible is a good act for him. It's a good gimmick for him. Right. It's not, it's not what he really he's in it for the the publicity the politics the position the the fame mm-hmm. i think he could just as easily argue the other side whereas i don't know if the tr- if the same would be true for drummond i am sure yeah. he could but he would do it you know holding his nose well drummond has no agenda right yeah drummond is there to do his job and do it really damn well and inspire frog names around the world for generations to come. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I feel like this movie was one that uh, I don't remember if I had seen it when, if I had seen it before, but watching it the other day, I kind of started it and was like drifting off, but like it really grabbed me really quickly. And I, I mean, I feel like a lot of the credit for that should go to Stanley Kramer, the director. Um, it's an it's a beautifully made movie. Uh, I mean, he also did Judgment at Nuremberg. It's a mad, 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 mad world. Guess who's coming to dinner? And it's, I don't know. There was something about it that was kind of fun and funny and playful and... Uh, there was part of me that was also watching it in kind of, I don't know, paying closer attention to the actors and looking at like, Sar- uh, sorry, I was going to say Sergeant York because of the Wayne's World thing, but uh, Dick York <laughs> and just thinking like, like, wow, he's so like young and uh, just like kind of just noticing things about, about the actors in it and uh, the, I don't know, the way that this town was crafted uh the town of Hillsborough I believe and yeah. it was just like a really solid movie with so much going on um there was this whole subplot thing going on with uh with Kate's wife who's or, his, or his girlfriend his girlfriend whose fiance, father is his fiance whose father is the reverend is that right oh yeah, yeah. real hellfire right. and brimstone So she's like, you got to drop this whole, like, you just have to, you know, whatever, like, you know, for the sake of us. And I don't know. So it's like, there, there's that whole other subplot going on, um, which I mean, I think as much as I'm just like, oh boy, there's like more going on. It's kind of like, well, I guess you need something else to, to happen aside from just like this one plot. (laughs) Yeah, well, and it it also it, it leads into a lot. Uh, it leads into a lot because you see Brady kind of like stand up 
if I remember correctly, Brady does kind of like stand up a bit. He does to the stand father up and just like what he does stand he up. Did st- he does stand. Yeah, he does a tight yeah, five no. at the store. Yeah, he kills. Unfortunately, <laughs> just himself. Mitzi let him uh, on the main stage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was gonna do twenty, but then Chappelle came in, yeah, and what are you gonna you do? Know, it's Chappelle. When Chappelle drops in, he's gonna you know take the mic. And, <laughs> Sorry, Brady. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay, so All go right. on. Brady stands up. Sorry, Brady, you know, Brady thought he had a spot, but it was Wayne Brady. Uh, <laughs> we all make that mistake. Yeah, but I I think like you definitely you see that there's because the the preacher is just like, "Oh, what if you're a harlot?" and uh I I didn't get the actual quotes down, but like he's really harsh that even the other people arguing on the same side as him are like dude you you gotta chill a little right bit. yeah <laughs> loosen yeah, that collar up a little you know I'm, I'm thinking about the movie and i'm thinking about because i feel like does it start off in the classroom no it starts off when the group of the conservatives oh, yeah. are uh are kind of meeting up to to go in and take him down take the teacher down so there's like this whole sinister thing going on, you know, everybody kind of banding together to They're uh, just waiting in his classroom for him to to do it. Oh. It's intense. It's really it intense. Is intense. Yeah. It uh, is intense. Um, and when you see him with the diagram of like, you know, with Darwin's origin of the species, and you're just like, oh no. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, here we go. Don't do it, Darren. <laughs> yeah, but, Darren. Yeah. He yeah. does it, um, he stands by it. That's true, yeah. And so, I mean, this this was a play before it was a movie. Um, I don't know when the play was written. Um, uh, 55? Okay, so not too long before. And then uh, we have this in 1960. We have a few made-for-TV versions in 65, 88, and 99. Um some of them I'm actually curious to see. Like the one with 88 is with Jason Robards and Kirk Douglas. And uh, what were you going to say? The 99 one is is George C. Scott and Jack Lemon. Yeah, totally. Um, the 65 version is with Ed Bagley, OG, not JR. And uh, uh, oh man, you know, it, it just makes me, I'm, it makes me think about. Ides of March and a Philip Seymour Hoffman, Paul Giamatti inherit the wind that we'll we'll never get. Okay. Yeah. See, that's, I was thinking the same thing. I was thinking the same thing. And then I was just like, which one would be which? I mean, I could see it also being one of those things like, you know how sometimes there's like like a stage drama where there's like two leads and then you find out that like every night they switch roles well, like which Philip Seymour Hoffman did with John C. Riley when they did oh, True West. That's right. That's right. That's right. Oh my God! See, that's perfect. I mean, in a, in a different dimension where we still have the wonderful Philip Seymour Hoffman, the the oh, Philip Seymour Hoffman Paul Giamatti would be I want that would be great. Yeah, because I, I, I would love to see them, and I'd love to see them both in in like swapping parts because I can't decide which one I would want in which. So. Anyway. Right. I, I think I I I feel like I originally defaulted to Giamatti as as Brady, but now the more I think about it, I'm like, 
I maybe see him more as Drummond, but right. I, I want to see them both do it. I know. I want I want to see both of them do both. There are so many actors who are, and this isn't like necessarily what I. This has nothing to do with no, my no, no ideas for it. But like I think about Willem Dafoe, and I'm just <laughs> like I'm basically right now looking at Willem Dafoe's filmography and thinking, what has he not done? What I don't think I've seen him as a lawyer. <laughs> well, okay. What you could also do, I'm. Oof, that's a good question. He's got such a extensive filmography. It's hard to. I, I don't think I've yeah. seen him as a lawyer. He's probably but, played one. But you know what? I like to think about, and you, when you say Willem Dafoe, it makes me think more about this, but like, you know, movies, or, or I guess like actor pairings that are so dynamic in one particular movie where you just want to see them doing other movies in, in, you know, where the two of them are facing off. And when you say Willem Dafoe, it makes me think a lot of... um. Uh, Robert Pattinson, like the way that he and uh, Robert Pattinson were in uh-huh. the lighthouse, and then to see Robert Pattinson play the Brady role and Willem Dafoe play the Drummond role, like or vice versa, I would be a very young. Uh, so what? Ver- no, I it would be it, it would be uh, it, it would be interesting. Well, way. I don't I don't know why you couldn't. I don't see why you couldn't. Yeah, the the young hotshot of- Christian fundamentalist. Uh, you know, <laughs> presidential candidate versus like the old timer seasoned attorney, Madison Cawthorn versus Bernie. <laughs> yeah, Basically. so I don't know. I I think that there's something that's fun about finding those those actor pairings. I mean, what is Ryan other, Gosling and George Clooney? If we're gonna go there, Ryan Go, yeah, Ryan Go, Ryan Gosling and George, Matt Clooney. Damon, yeah, Ben Affleck, it, some other act, <laughs> Matt Damon, Ben. Yeah, I, I don't know that I want to see them doing it. I'm not saying I want to see it, but I'm just saying, like, you know, it would be interesting to see that. To see, yeah, yeah, the other actor actor pairings. Uh, you know, I'm tr- I'm trying to think of some other ones that I, I could. I I'm I think we like you got them all. Every other Zach one I think Efron, of is- Robert De Niro, go dirty, Grandpa. <laughs> of of course, I mean that's the everyone's favorite. That everyone's everyone's been waiting for. Yeah, of course. No, but De Niro, Pacino. I I I do feel like I I'm like it. It might be that might be a bit too. I'm not saying that they man. always have to play it. <laughs> that you, you know, I want to see the De Niro, Pacino, Grumpy Old Men. Uh, did that come up yeah. when we did Grumpy Old Men? I oh. We, it it must have. Well, we it would just be. It archives. would be such the R-rated grumpy old. Good morning, you fucking cocksucker. Yeah. Good morning, you piece of shit, motherfucker. <laughs> like Harvey Keitel, put Harvey Keitel in there. Uh, uh, well, Harvey Keitel in in Inherit the Wind. Uh, sure. Nah, I feel like that's just naming actors now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but you know. It's it's a fun game to play. You know, this is just Woody one Harrelson of those movies. Wesley Snipes. Woody Harrelson, Wesley Snipes. I don't think that you could set something in 1960. Y- you know, yeah. I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I was saying that. For, but what, like uh, Woody Harrelson, Matthew McConaughey. That's true. Yeah. Always like them together. So, yeah. And then true. you get Matthew McConaughey returning to Sweaty Law. <laughs> Jackpot. And Oliver Platt is the uh, reporter. Oh, my God. He totally would be. Love it. 
He would have been. I mean, back back in in the nineties, yeah, he would have been. He would have been great. Uh, there have also there have also been uh, several Broadway revivals of sure. Inherit the Wind, uh, none of which I've seen. I I don't recall that I've ever seen it on stage. And I might have. I remember like that we read it in school, mm-hmm. like in high school. So I feel like I must have seen the movie, but I don't remember. Yeah, I remember reading that in high school. He said in quotes. <laughs> I feel like it was something that we read like in class and like we performed parts. Mm. So, yeah, it's one that I definitely remember being like a presence throughout my life. I mean, clearly Spencer Tracy's impact on my childhood was strong, so, you know, indubitably. Yeah. No, and it yeah, so and, were- and I really loved uh, you know, seeing you know, Gene Kelly doing his his actual acting, which was he's very good. He's very good. I enjoy he was the he was really good for the uh uh like comic relief. Sure. You know, he, I don't know even if I'd call it the comic relief, but just like no, to but lighten he's just like the, the levity. He's the levity, he's, exactly. He brings yeah. brings a bit of levity and his he's got that just very likable spirit. You oh good. Oh, it's Gene Kelly. Things aren't so bad in the world. So okay, so if you're if you're not gonna just do a uh a Philip Seymour Hoffman, Paul Giamatti dream team in a parallel universe matchup. What would you envision for uh, doing this now? So I struggled with whether or not to, to advocate for just like a straight up remake or revival of it. And, and yes, if, if Philip Seymour Hoffman was still with us, I would definitely advocate for Philip Seymour and Paul Giamatti or really any, I don't have any actors specifically that I'm like, yes, it should be re it should be remade with these actors. I, I struggled with whether or not to advocate for a, like an updated inherit the wit a version of inherit the wind. Mm-hmm. It's something to be set in modern times. Maybe it's somebody, uh, a teacher who's arrested for teaching about systemic racism and they get reported by a student. Um, I was thinking about that and and then I, I just felt it works so well. Yeah, yeah. As it is that why it doesn't have to be about whatever's going on today to be about whatever's going on today. Mm-hmm. So a film might be, I wonder, I like it's the type of thing where uh, maybe a filmed stage production, kind of like the Hamilton. Right. Yeah. Uh, on, on Disney. Uh, or, some type of special presentation like a lot. This would be great to do. Like they do all of these, you know, like live like Greece yeah. live and tune in. Everyone's inherit clamoring for an inherit the wind live. Selena Gomez is yeah. Matthew Harrison Brady. <laughs> uh, Steve Martin and Martin short. Uh, and hey, that would be a really great pairing. But if they played it completely straight, I mean, they could. Yeah. 
they could. I mean, they've both done like straight acts. Sure. Yeah. Um. It, so I I but I think like doing it, doing it like that. Uh, you could, you could make it, it, I I wish we were back in the days of like the telethon where if it was like this big live street, this big live event and it was, you know, donate to the, you know, the ACLU or donate to the NAACP or, you know, um, so I think something like that, some type of live like production or or like I I feel like a remade film would just kind of get swept under the carpet. Yeah. So I, I I hesitate to say, Oh, like just remake it or just like put another revival on Broadway. Yeah. I don't think that's needed, but I think that, Say and by the way, the the case happened in 1925, so we're not that far off from the hundred year anniversary. True. So I don't think it would be uncalled for to you know promote and you can get like I, there are so many great actors who could do Campbell Scott, Campbell Scott. Okay, playing. Uh, uh. Well, actually, tr- George C. Scott played both both roles uh, in different productions. But Campbell Scott could like that would be nice fill in for his for his dad. Sure. Uh, um. Yeah, I'm like I I could start naming. I'm just look up like you know male actors. Yeah, <laughs> and find uh you know, find two actors who would play really well off of each other. Mm-hmm. And this, and you know what? Yeah. I mean, whoever get whoever, in it. maybe like get Clooney involved. Why does it like Clooney could direct it? Clooney could direct it. This does not seem like a, you know, something out of his wheelhouse. No, definitely in his wheelhouse. So, yeah. I, that's, I, I think it's a relevant story and I think it, it needs to be, brought back into into the spotlight uh every now and again just to kind of remind us that like hey people are always scared of new and challenging ideas it doesn't mean that they're wrong it doesn't mean they don't exist and it doesn't mean that we don't accept them right so that's that's my my thoughts on that what are yours well this is this movie is a a true classic. Um you know the the play is taught in schools and you know brought back all of the time like it's a very relevant story as we've talked about. And I think it would be really neat to start a a new movie and kind of use the actual footage and then have it go in a different direction. Have it follow the students in Kate's class or have Mm -hmm. it follow somebody who's sitting in on the trial. Maybe it is the same, you know, students that are in his class, you know, follow somebody else, follow the judge and, and see kind of how they change while 
Drummond is kind of changing their worldview and try to experience something through somebody who's not like directly part of the trial, unless it's the judge, of course. But, you know, kind of take them and follow them during this entire time. You know, you can still hear or see that this trial is going on, but from a different perspective. And I and hear what they say when they're home talking to their families and what they're experiencing on their ends. That's my thought. I really like the idea of the students because yeah. it's like it's about what's taught in schools and we hear from everybody we hear from the students briefly. Hardly. But we just get a glimpse of the little men and little women, and then we cut away from them, and we don't really hear from them ever again. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, we do get a little little glimpse of them. Uh, and it, it would be interesting to... It makes me think of the movie In and Out, where you do get uh, some of like the perspective of the students as everything, as they're you know, learning about their teacher coming out. And it, it, it's funny because now that I think about in and out does have a lot in common with Inherit the Wind in terms of, you know, <laughs> progress, resisting progress yeah, and, uh-huh. a, and accepting new ideas and, and even if they're challenging. and An engaged uh, couple going through a tumultuous time. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right. Uh, and you know, Wilford Brimley is in it, so yeah. he has that. He has that Spencer Tracy vibe. It sure does. Uh, it, it, it it is. I I really like that idea, and I like. I also like the idea of kind of the of of seeing where they go after. Yeah, and and saying like, all right, now that they're challenged on, the, like, how are they impacted by? Well, learning that, yeah, also it's, you know, maybe they're the kids' parents are less flexible in their ways of thinking. Well, that's what I'm saying is like what happens to these kids when everything that they've grown up believing is is not everything, but like this that they've grown up believing was fundamentally true is challenged and basically disproven. So how does that impact their relationships with their parents? Like, do their, are their parents like, Oh my God, like what now? Yeah. What are we going to do? Would we're going to lose control. And, uh, it would be interesting to, to, to look at that also in terms of like the last in the 1920s, kind of leading up to the stock market crash in 29. So, so looking uh, looking at just the idea of like young people and how all of this revolutionary science meshes with religious beliefs which especially in Tennessee right were much- and and also you know th- there are the parallels to today that you know are different from the ones that we see in inherit the wind um where it is you know the youth of today learning something different from what their parents believe very firmly and having to negotiate that struggle between, you know, keeping the peace within the family and standing up for what you believe in and kind of challenging the status quo. 
Yeah. I, I think it would it would we begin shooting on Friday and uh call time is five thirty AM, so get your rest. I can't make it, I have a thing. Mm. Yeah. Your Pearl Jam would class. It, it could be yeah. No. Starts at seven. I I mean, yeah, we're doing the ratio of no code, so uh, <laughs> uh yeah. Uh, the the um Oh, they have their I'd vitology exam. <laughs> that's that's just the name of the class, vitology. Uh, <laughs> vitology 101. And... Oh, it's only a 101 class? They can skip it. It's fine. <laughs> uh, you know, I had, I, there was somewhere where, where oh yeah, the title of your sequel. Would, I, I guess since I've inherited the wind, would it be called like Heirs of the Wind? Um, I like that Acknowledging title. the wind. Uh, Acknowledging. <laughs> Passing the wind. The wind. <laughs> Breaking the wind. Winds of, the winds of change. The uh, winds yeah, of and change. then and then you can use that uh, awesome Scorpion Scorp- song. That Scorpion song, definitely. <laughs> like a 1920s version of it. <laughs> oh, I want to hear that. Hey, me. I don't know. That's just how it was in my There's in a, my uh, a fantastic podcast series. Winds of change. Series winds of change. About... Uh, wind of change um that uh, it's kind of going into the the backstory of it because there was a rumor that that song was like create was written by the CIA and essentially given to scorpions to release to impact the cold war and to like bring the wall down and uh, and inspire revolt so it's a really fascinating podcast series that I highly recommend. I think it's just called Wind of Change. Oh, that is really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's my kind of jam right there. So anyway, Dan, do you have anything that you wanted to mention about Inherit the Wind before we talk about what we're doing on our next episode? Uh, no, I, other than just if, if this is not a film that you've seen before or not something you're familiar with, definitely check it out. Yeah. I Inherit the Wind currently streaming on Prime, and I, I believe, <laughs> as of last I checked, right. it was. But to, uh, totally worth checking out, and yeah, yeah, if you have a history with that, with Inherit the Wind or uh, Creationism or Darwinism, uh, give us a an email at ruinedchildhoodspod at gmail.com. Yeah, check out the link to the link tree in this episode's description. Follow us on social media and all that kind of fun stuff. You get to see probably a cool picture of Spencer Tracy, the human, not the frog. Uh, it's a shame, though, that we don't do we I don't think we have photos of, of the frog. Do we? I don't think the frog lived long enough for a photograph to have been to taken. be photographed. Uh, yes. And this is also the times where, you know, we didn't have cameras on us all the time. No, you had to go to where you kept your camera and get your camera out and you had to make sure there was film in it. Yeah. And... You had to hope that Spencer is doing something cute at the moment. Yeah. No, but by the time you get your camera and put film in it, Spencer is no more. No. I don't. There's I not don't a want Tracy to... of him left. <laughs> yeah, that's how you know it's oh, late. Boy. Well, anyway, oh, we... Dan, why don't we tell everyone what we're doing on the next episode? 
Ah, uh, it's our last episode of March. So, of course, uh, as we're leaving March, we have to get one last dose of March. In fact, a whole family of March. So we're going to be talking about Little Women. That's right. We're going to talk about multiple families of March because Dan and I are going to fo- each focus on a different version it- of Little Women. <laughs> This is our version of March Madness. This yeah. is March Madness March for Madness. us. It's, it's like, it's, oh, it's, it's Susan Sarandon and Laura Dern and Shayorza Ronan and Winona Ryder Bob and Odenkirk? Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> Bob Odenkirk. Oh, I miss my little women. And, uh, Tracy and what's Letts? happening? And I think Catherine Hepburn is in another one. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Um, and maybe Spencer Tracy. Oh, could that Spencer be true? Tracy, Tracy Letts. Oh, we Dick Sergeant Sergeant York. Sergeant, Dick Sergeant Sergeant York. I can't take it anymore. <laughs> well, Dan, as you are marching in support of Matthew Harrison Brady, I wish you a good journey. Good evolutionary journey. <laughs> Down to Gonky Park Listening to the wind of change